Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to talk the world's game from an American perspective. Presented by ShockFutsal.com, you're listening to Two Up Front, where we focus on all things American soccer. Now in the studio, your hosts, Baxter Colburn and Simon Provan. And welcome inside the studio. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. And welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFootsall.com. Uh, we have a great show in store for you today. Some big interviews, one with a journalist, Bianca Verrer of Vavil USA, and then a fanboy moment for Simon. Who, who's coming on in the second segment, Simon? Yeah, Tony Sane, World Cup veteran from the uh, men's side. So our first... First men's World Cup veteran that we're having on the show. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting time. Please don't fanboy too much. I know you. I know you enjoy. <laughs> you know, you're you're a big advocate for that time of soccer in America. But uh, try to keep it together if you can. Please. It's it's funny that you say that, Baxter, because on Twitter, um, I saw a tweet that said Landon Donovan's goal against Algeria was this the most important goal in American soccer history? Ooh, six and of years course, ago, six the years historian ago. from you know my head had to pop out, and I said, "Was it a great goal? Absolutely. Was it exhilarating? Yes. Most important? No way. The most important goal in U.S. American soccer is Paul Caligiuri's strike in 1989 in mm, Trinidad and Tobago okay. that sent the U.S. back to the World Cup for the first time in 40 years. Without that goal, without that 1990 World Cup, soccer is nowhere near where it is in the U.S. today. How interesting. That's, that's interesting to hear that argument, but uh, as you mentioned, that's more of the historian. Soccer is anything up until probably the 2002 World Cup, a lot of folks and the now, right now, at least for that are you know listeners and viewers of the of the game, probably don't care as much about that. I feel like I mean I I never I mean I know about that event and I know the the importance of it, but folks are usually will say well the 2002 World Cup or the 2008 World Cup or six or whatever years 2006 that's really when soccer started to slowly build and then that that goal though from Landon Donovan really was you know the turning point for for American it, soccer, which I get because that that was a World Cup that a lot of the casual fans were starting to tune into soccer. Yes, yeah, uh, I agree with that. But that doesn't happen unless the U.S. is playing in the World Cup and exactly. playing well in the World Cup, and that all starts with qualifying in 1990. You know, So, there, yeah, there's a lot of history uh, that, that is out there about soccer in this country. We've talked about it a little bit on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like to be the guy out there to say, wait, hold on. <laughs> wait, soccer existed. Wait a minute. Soccer existed in this country before the Seattle Sounders had an MLS team. Whoa. How crazy <laughs> is that? I had no idea. Well, either way, though, 
It's exciting to be here, though. We've got a lot of different things to get to. We want to make sure to remind all of you, though, that you can listen to us on Fridays right here on the Sports Podcasting Network at 1130 a.m. Central Time. You can also listen to us on demand anytime on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker.com as well. And, of course, you can find us on social media on Facebook, 2UpFront Soccer. You can also, oh, 2UpFront. You can find us on Twitter at 2UpFront Soccer. And, of course, our website at 2UpFrontSoccer.com. You can also check out our personal Twitter handles at at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. Yes, indeed. All right, Simon, let's jump right into it for our first segment, the kick around. A lot of different things happening. One thing that a lot of folks, aside from the Copa America going on, there is also the European Championships that are taking place right now. And a lot of folks are excited about that. I know myself specifically because I'm playing a Euro Soccer Fantasy League, which is kind of weird, but it's been a, it's been a fun experience. Uh, I'm doing it more so just for the camaraderie. A lot of my friends in England that I know are like, yeah, you should come play. And they're like, I think that's more so, hey, let's make fun of the stupid Americans that don't know how we do it over here. So I was like, sure, <laughs> why not? But it's it's been a good time. And and how, how are you doing in that league? Uh, it's a table format. It's kind of like how our MLS fantasy team or fantasy teams are. So it's just how many accumulated points. Uh, I believe I'm in the top five out of 12 teams, I All believe. Right. I haven't All checked right. in the last day or two, but I do believe that's where I am. But uh, talk about an interesting group stage. Uh, looking through all the groups, uh, France and Switzerland advance from Group A. Wales, England, and, Slovo- and Slovakia advance from Group B. Germany, Poland, and Northern Ireland. The surprise, surprise, Northern Ireland, they advance out of Group C. Croatia and Spain, they get out of the Group D. The Group of Death, as many folks called it, was Group E. Italy, Belgium, and the Republic of Ireland, not Sweden, get out of Group E. And then Group F, Hungary, Iceland, and Portugal all advance as well. You know, for me, it was that... that- Ireland game, winning 1-0 over Italy. Yes. Again, here comes the old man. Reminded me of 1994 <laughs> when they played in the World Cup here in the States. Mm-hmm. Ireland was not expected, first of all, to qualify for that World mm-hmm. Cup. So a huge deal when they did. But they, while well, they either beat Italy or they tied Italy, Ireland did 1-1. Mm. But it was it was a perfect setting because it was at Giants Stadium in New York City. Yep. Italy against Ireland. I mean, what better group, what better place to play you know, that's. I think I'm pretty sure New York City has the most Italians and most uh, Irish right. folk yes. outside of their countries. So, just took me back to 1994. But what a win for Ireland! And that win obviously sent them into the knockout round. It did, and not a lot of folks thought they were going to make it through. There was teams like Albania Tur- and Turkey as well, who each had gotten three points. As uh, the way the Euros work, it was the four best teams with a third-place record, uh, would qualify for the knockout round as well as the top two teams as well. But because of that win, the Republic of Ireland catapulted over the top of teams like Albania, who got three points, and Turkey as well, who got three. The big thing for me in this one, Simon, the host, France, they got seven points. They joined teams like Germany and Poland, who also got seven points, and Croatia as well. So Croatia, kind of the odd man out initially. If you if you haven't been watching the tournament, you realize that Croatia has been one of those teams that uh, you almost don't want to play right now because they have gone in and kind of punched their group teams in the mouth, basically, and saying, you know what, we are a lot better than you think we are, and uh, they've beaten teams that maybe nobody thought they were going to. They you know they beat Spain, which I think nobody thought was possible. And it's been nice to see the fact that a team like Croatia, who has guys like Luka Modric on their team, to step up and finally exert themselves and say, hey, you know what, we're tired of being you know, the 8th the or ninth or 10th best team in Europe and finally get a chance to play. But uh, Germany and France and probably Belgium, still those teams that most folks say are going to be the teams to beat going forward. Which I can understand that my dark horse for this is Wales, though, Baxter, with the way they've been playing methodically, patiently. Exactly. Uh, you know, they... 
did a fantastic uh, group stage. I mean, they they won their group six points, top in the group. Uh, England was second, which you know that's just got to irritate the heck out of the English fans it because does. after England England qualified undefeated in a very very weak group, of course. All the English fans were picking their own team to win it all. Of but, course. Uh, well, and they still can. And obviously. they drew they, Wales, they, though, too. They, oh, no, they beat Wales. Pardon me. They drew, uh, who did they draw? I think they drew Russia in the first game, I believe is who it was. But either way, though, that, that draw for England, uh, that the only victory in the group stages they they can claim was over Wales. So you can get a little bit excited about that if you're England. But one win, two draws, not the, the most English thing that they, I think the team and fans had wanted, I believe, at this point. Absolutely, but uh, I, I do have Wales as my dark horse to possibly win the whole thing. I agree. No, I think that's a very uh, a good pick to go forward. Uh, the round of 16 begins on Saturday, June 25th. Switzerland plays Poland, Croatia, Portugal, and Wales, Northern Ireland. What do you think out of those games, uh, Simon? Switzerland, Poland, I Switzerland... You know, it's nice that they're there. It's great that they've qualified. I think Poland surprised a lot of people with seven points in the group stages, tying with Germany, not only in points, but also on the field in that 0-0 draw that they had. I feel like Poland has to be the better team. Is, is They're going to win this game, I feel like. Yeah, Switzerland can surprise people, though, just like they did a few uh, World Cups ago where they actually went undefeated, the first undefeated mm. team to actually fall out of the World Cup because they lost in a penalty kick shootout. So technically that's a draw. Yes, technically. Uh, <clears throat> um, so I... I can see why you're picking Poland, and, uh, well, I, I think you're right, Baxter. Okay. At, looking at this roster here, and I think Poland is, is the pick there. I agree. Okay. Croatia and Portugal. Cristiano Ronaldo, we know what he's capable of doing, but as we mentioned, Croatia, the team to beat, really, so far, aside from Wales. Croatia, almost a favorite in this one because of how hot and cold Portugal have been. You take a guy like Ronaldo out of the lineup, and suddenly Portugal is kind of just floundering around looking for other attacking options. Nani's not the same player he used to be. Well, look, they had three draws, Baxter, against Hungary, Iceland, and Austria. They, I mean, they, they barely qualified for mm-hmm. this knockout round. I think Croatia actually is the team to pick in this. I agree. With the way they handled Spain, surprised everybody beating them 2-1 with a late goal. Yeah. Croatia is going to be up for this. I'll tell I agree. you that. I completely agree. And then you've got Wales and Northern Ireland. Uh, Northern Ireland, nobody gave them a chance. I think a lot of folks are just saying that's cute. You know, they're going to just be excited to be here, play three games, and then they'll be back home. But Northern Ireland is that? I think if you're Wales, that's almost the team you don't want to face because it's that same British mentality, style of soccer. That we saw, you know, with Wales and England, that game kind of got boring after a while because the teams kind of play similar styles. And same with Northern Ireland and Wales as well in this one. This could be a game maybe that Northern Ireland could sneak away a victory or at least bring it to penalty kicks and maybe beat them that route. They could, but when you have Gareth Bale leading the way... Aaron I got Ramsey. Wales. No, I completely yeah. and I, I agree with you. As much as it'd be great to see a, a story like Northern Ireland move through, Wales is the far superior. Well, and team. it's still a great story for Wales. I mean, their first major tournament since '56 or something yeah. like that. Now they're in the knockout stages. Good give, for them. give credit to their manager, Chris Coleman. Uh, spent many years at Fulham. Yep. Uh, what a wonderful story for both of these both of these nations. I agree. You got to give the United Kingdom a lot of credit. They got Wales, Northern Ireland, England in there, and then of course. Ireland, which is not part of the United Kingdom. They're there. They're in the general vicinity. It breaks my heart that my bloodline, Scotland, didn't make it. They almost I did, thought it was but, funny. There was, I think somebody posted a tweet or a Facebook thing the other day saying, you know, North, uh, you know, you know, pick up the house, you know, clean out, you know, take out the trash, whatever. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Scotland, love, England, Ireland, Northern <laughs> Ireland, and, and Wales. I was like, ooh, that's got to burn a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> Well, moving on to Ireland, though. They play France in the knockout round. Uh, it's hard to think that Ireland is going to do anything against such a t- 
talented team like France, the host nation, a lot of folks are even, they had the best odds at going in at 6-2 to two odds to win the tournament. Ireland, not the team I think that's going to dethrone the, the presumptuous champs. No, we, we're going to see their fans have a lot of fun. What a great story their fans have been through this whole thing. They're nothing always a nothing good time. but positive stories. Exactly. You see them uh, lo- you know, singing lullabies to a baby on a bus. <laughs> you see them fixing a man's car. It's, yeah. it's awesome. I wish every fan was like that. Exactly. Every, every supporter. The Irish group. are always drunk, so that's perfect. They're always happy. <laughs> there you go. I but, love it. But the drunkenness affects them in a positive way. Exactly. They're happy drunks. <laughs> right. So, But I think you're absolutely right, Baxter. France has got this game. I agree. Hungary and Belgium uh, following that game at 2 p.m. Belgium, uh, a little surprised as they lost to Italy in that opening group game. And they kind of they fired back after that with two consecutive victories. Hungary, one of those teams where, you know, they've got some good strikers. And uh, midfieldly, they're you know not as tactical as what Belgium has. Belgium, in my opinion, the far better team uh, overall. But because they struggled against a, an Italy team who's not nearly as good as they have been in past, I could see Hungary sneak away with a victory in this one. I, I would pick this as my upset. Yeah, I, I could see it going that way as well, Baxter. Um, you know that. You know, selfishly, Christian Namath, who was uh, with Sporting yeah. Kansas City last year and a couple of years for that matter, uh, is is on this hungry squad. So it would be nice to see former MLS player like that uh, come all the way through. Um, and Hungary, of course, won their group, tied on points, but Hungary did win their group. And, uh, yeah... This is a this is a tough one for me to call it is. back. So. No, you're, you're you're right. I mean, it's a very interesting game to to counter your argument though, that you said about an MLS player. Uh, one of the starting defenders for Belgium is Laurent is Laurent Simon of the Montreal Impact as well. I didn't realize that. Yes, I believe that's I believe that's how you say his name. Yeah, Belgium. I mean, they're they're a team. You know, you got so many po- so many positive players. You mean you've got Fellini, you've got Eden Hazard on that team. You know, Dvorak Origi as well on the team. Romelu Lukaku. Thibaut Courtois, you could go on and on and on right. about how many just... Th- this team is incredibly deep, and I just think that they should be easily you know, able to take over a team like Hung- Hungary. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you certainly... You certainly would. I mean, we both thought Belgium would even go farther in the World mm-hmm. Cup when it came down to You're it, correct. and that's not much different of a team. And we see how strong they are all over the place. Yes. So I, I think Hungary is the correct pick here. Germany, Slovakia, oh, Hungary, Belgium. Belgium, Belgium is Belgium. the correct pick. You're here. correct. <laughs> Germany, Slovakia. Do we need to spend a lot of time on this game? No. Germany. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, what? Um, I just like to. Yeah, you know. yeah, no, it's fine. Italy, Spain, traditionally in years past, the, the, the marquee match. Everybody's going to be tuned in, but these are just mere shells of what they right. used to be. Even, yeah, you say what you will about Spain. Oh, they've got Iniesta still on the team, you know, and uh, Iker Casillas is hanging around, and Sergio Ramos and Gerard Piquet. This is not the same Spain team. There's no David Villa. There's no Fernando Torres. No Xavi. The list goes on and on of all those incredible players we have there even at the last world cup same for italy no andrea pirlo no del piero no i'll just this laundry list of guys i don't even know who do you want to take in a game like well, this well you know the one thing they do have he's still playing awesome at age 38 is buffon buffon you know yes. their their goalkeeper um De Gea has not had the greatest of tournaments. No, he has not. That's why I was wondering if we might see Iker, you know, Sir, or what is, I forget what they call him in Spain. Not uh, not Sir Iker. Uh, Saint, I think it's Saint, Saint Iker, I think is what they call him. But uh, I, I wonder if, you know, we'll see him. Buffon did miss the last match for Italy because he was sick. So that's something to keep an eye on going forward. If he does, you know, finally, I'm sure he will, he'll, he'll battle back. But he's had a his heck of a tournament so far. Uh, I think Italy is going to win this game. Barely. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. If for one reason, you know, all but 
maybe one or two players all play in Serie A, so they're incredibly familiar with yep. each other. Uh, the Juventus connection right down the middle is so hard to beat. Exactly. And you even got some defenders in there from, from Juventus. Um, and, yeah, you've got a lot of guys on Spain playing in La Liga, but you still have a bunch of them playing in the Premier League as well. Exactly. So if if not for that reason alone, Baxter, I'm going to have to take Italy in this You're right. game. No, I completely agree. All right, England and Iceland, the final knockout round game. Simon, England, uh, you'd like to say, oh, that should be able to steam right over Iceland, but Iceland, a surprise team that has a lot of fans kind of hyped up about all the Sergudsons and Yaharusins and Umlaus and underscores and whatever the heck else that these guys' last names are. Not a bad team, but not a great team either. With the England squad, you'd like to say they've got more pace, more technicality. They should be able to just run all the way through Iceland. But does England flounder? And if they do, does Roy Hodgson lose his job? Well, the one thing they're forgetting is that, you know, in the first... Not the first century. What do you first millennia? Yes, Iceland invaded Paris and took a lot of gold and silver. That is true. The Vikings, I, I think. Right. I, I think we're going to see that again. How interesting! But I think I think Iceland is actually going to beat England in this game. Ooh, see, that's my, was, that's my upset for this round. Okay, well, I, I'm going to side with England on this one. Um, I, I'm hopeful more than anything that they're going to they're going to get it together and move on because I've heard an interesting fact yesterday. Wayne Rooney has only won one knockout round game in any major tournament in his career in an in a, in a international level. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible, One, yes. one time he has only won a, a, a knockout round game. Well, as, as funny as this is to say about England, if, if they are going to win, it is going to come from their attack. Yes. You know, you just even look at their total attempts, Baxter. They've had 65 attempts on goal compared to Iceland's 21 mm. in three games. Well... Sometimes but, it's not about how but, many attempts, it's about how many goals. Well, and that's it, is Iceland has scored four goals, and England has only scored three so far. Hmm. Interesting. Speaking of a man that is part of the England squad that uh, finds himself in the Premier League as well, Jamie Vardy signing a new contract for Leicester City, putting the Arsenal rumors to bed officially, saying, you know what, Leicester City, we won the Premier League last year. I enjoy getting lots of money. I enjoy being the golden boy. I think I'll stay a couple years. So, Baxter, well, I I think it's a great move because I've been saying all along, for Leicester to repeat, they got to keep... They got to keep Vardy. They have to, or get tons of money for him and buy somebody. Or like at him. least qualify in the top four. Yes, again, yes, you know. not to win again. Right, right. To, but to, to get be back successful. in the Champions yes. League. Right. So it's actually a question that I have for you: Is now that they've signed Vardy, does this? Because you've been one saying, I, I don't think they're going to finish in the top four. Not even close. They may finish, you know, below ten. Does this change your mind at all? It doesn't, because I still don't know how many of the key midfield players are going to be gone. We've heard about Mares leaving. We've heard about some of the defenders leaving as well. Jamie Vardy is only as good as the players around him, especially the guys that are feeding him those balls through the midfield. Feeding him, yes, but I still think he makes the overall team that much better. Hmm. So I, I would take a little uh, a little issue with that statement that he's only as good as the players around him. Fair enough. Well, speaking of another player, as we continue to move on through the kick around, the player that makes everybody around him better, or at least he thinks he makes the world as a whole better is um, a, the man that calls himself God, Zlatan. Uh, he says he is retiring from international duty, not from soccer, just from international duty with Sweden after Sweden crashed and burned out of the Euros with only one point. A very disappointing, once again, result from Sweden. We've seen what they can't do in the World Cup. We've seen what they can't do in the Euros. And now Zlatan, I think, has finally realized, look, I, I, can't, I can't do anything with this horrible supporting cast around me. And he finally is calling it a day from international soccer. Baxter, maybe it's because I'm a dad and I, it's very important to me who my daughters look up to and what they see. Yes. I say good riddance. You think I, so? I, Were you I, ever I, a Zlatan fan never. at all? Never. 
Really? From the first time I opened his mouth. So is he a... Is, From the first is, time you opened his mouth? <laughs> is that what I said? That's what you said. Time, I was like, okay. First time he opened his mouth, I was like, I, I, I just... I can't get behind somebody like that that has such an enormous ego. Now, does he back up everything he says? Yes, absolutely. But I still, I, I don't, you know, I was watching an interview with him the other day, and and man asked him, you know, when, as a person, if you were to give yourself a ranking of 1 to 10, what do you give yourself? <laughs> I give myself a 20. I just, I can't. I he's, can't not, he's not as good as he, people he, say he His is. ego is so much bigger than who he is mm-hmm. that I can't get past that when I'm watching him I agree. play. To go off of that, uh, a couple of quotes, some of the best, the very best of Zlatan. I can't help but laugh how perfect I am. One thing is for sure, a World Cup without me is nothing to watch. A reporter asked him recently, who will win the World Cup playoff? Zlatan says, only God knows. The reporter says, it's kind of hard to ask him. Zlatan said, why? You're looking at him now. And of course, we're looking for an apartment. Uh, we were looking for an apartment. If we don't find anything, then I'll probably just buy the hotel. You know, it's only money. And of course, now a lot of people I know are going to say that's just him. It's just the way he, he's playing for the camera. Sure, but he's, he's been I feel doing like it. He since, believes a lot more. I, than I, I do as well. Um, I don't know if you have more to say, Baxter, but there's something I really want to talk Please, about. Please do this that show. as we go as we as we go to commercial. Let's do that. Go All ahead. right. So speaking of Swedish football, <laughs> for those of you who haven't heard, I a player was sent off this week. Do you know why? I don't know why. What happened? For breaking wind, Baxter. What? For farting. For running. Oh, for farting. For farting. How? Not for running fast, but the for ref? farting. The ref said that it was deliberate prov- provocation on the field for when what? the player farted. Oh, come on. <laughs> the player's response was, I just, I had a bad stomach, so I simply had to let too it go. Too much broccoli. Too then I received broccoli. two yellow cards and then read, yes, I was shocked. It's the strangest thing I've ever experienced in football. So he asked the ref, can I not fart when I'm on the field? And the ref basically said, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, so, it's, it's a little stinky in here now, so, Simon. Yes. So the first time in history that we know of that a professional player has been sent off for breaking wind. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's go to a break, Simon. When we come back. Uh, are you going to send me out of the studio now? <sighs> I just <laughs> Maybe Tony Sané will in our next game when we talk to him in our next interview. We'll be right back with more on 2 Up Front right after this, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, as we move on here with our second segment of the show, we have a great interview. In the past, we've had so many distinct gentlemen and ladies that have been on the show, and now, Simon, we get to have a new first on the show, aren't, aren't we tonight? We, we sure are, Baxter. Our first veteran of a men's World Cup joining us here on Two Up Front. He's been all over the place. He's, he's played in Germany. He's played plenty of teams in MLS. Back in the day, Baxter, he even teamed up with Brian McBride and my older brother Steve on the Milwaukee Rampage. Tony Sane, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. We're excited to have you here, Tony. Uh, well, as we uh, mentioned, we are, we're here in Milwaukee, so why don't we start back with, uh, for those that are the local listeners of the show, you played back in the day with the Milwaukee Rampage. Give us a little bit what it was like to spend time with uh, what was a historic franchise at that time. Yeah, I mean, I was I was finishing up my college career, and um, Boris Susevich put together uh, what at the time was a, a premier team. Um, you know, we had, we had we had a really well-rounded team, and 
we had a lot of uh, attacking, I guess, power. You know, um, we were pretty dynamic, and he, he really wanted us to play attractive, uh, forward-thinking soccer. And um, it's unfortunate that that we 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 lost um, some important games um, because we. I still feel like we were. We were the best team in the league that year, but we couldn't beat the bus uh, that was parked, and so um, it didn't work out for us, and, and the team ended up kind of breaking up a little bit. But uh, it, it was a great experience, and you were young, and uh, you know me going to college in Milwaukee, you know I was familiar with the city, a lot of support, and just a lot of other you know good young people at that time when, when soccer was just coming into its own. Yeah, and of course, you, as you said, you spent your college time with uh, UW Milwaukee, where you're the uh, all-time leading scorer. And Baxter gets annoyed when I do this, but also uh, had played with my brother Jake there for a few <laughs> years. Um, but along with that, of course, one of the most well-known things about you, Tony, is that awesome assist that you had in the 2002 World Cup there with uh, you know hooking up with with your former Rampage teammate Brian McBride and both of you obviously went on to have wonderful careers as well but if you could walk us through that 2002 World Cup match uh, that you had the awesome 3-2 upset you had against Portugal where many of us diehard fans were up in the very early morning watching you guys have this historic upset yeah, I mean, we, you know, obviously, we, you know, physically were very well prepared, and we we went to a different mentality that, you know, you were going to have to beat us, and we were going to match up with you, and uh, we started off very aggressively, um, even, you know, moving up to the World Cup, we had a number of players in Europe, uh, we had a great mixture of veterans and, and younger players, um, but what people really underestimate is physically how, you know, strong and fast, you know, as a team we were, um, and just really well put together. And um, so we just started off, you know, being aggressive against Portugal, and and I would say we scored early, um, and, you know, that I think kind of shocked everyone. And then um, we just kept pushing, and I think on the second goal, you know, from right back position, I actually pushed up and won a tackle inside their box that, that bounced to the landman who um, got lucky kind of on a deflection for a goal, and that just kind of proved it was our day, and uh, we kept pressing. And then uh, later on, you know, in the same half, you know, I made a long overrun and uh, made that cross, which Brian headed home like he always does. And um, and then, you know, it was, it was kind of like, you know, don't screw this up. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was there was fatigue setting in, and, and, you know, they had their chances, and they started to come back. And, you know, we did worry, and, and, and they were a great team. And... Uh, but emotions run so high and, and, and physical fitness as well. Um, and so I, I think the, you know, their first goal, you know, unfortunately kind of let them back in and made, you know, if anything happened, it was going to be real nerve wracking. And, um, you know, they did end up scoring another goal, uh, you know, unfortunately on goal, on goal. Um, and then we just, we just held on and, uh, a great testament to a to a full team and guys came in off the bench and did a great job and um but really the credit goes to you know us starting the way we did um and being willing to to not respect them too much and i think you saw that a little bit in the in the u.s argentina game if we were going to get beat we were going to get beat and otherwise we were going to try to impose our physical prowess on you 
Yeah, we've been talking a lot about that. I'm glad you brought that up, Tony. That's that's one of the things I feel like is missing right now from from the U.S. makeup is I felt like when, you know, Bruce Arena was at the helm, when Bob Bradley was out the hel- at the helm, there was always this belief that no matter who you're playing against, you guys could go out there and win. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Is that something that you feel is, is missing perhaps from, from this team? Well, I, I just, you know, I, I think this, I, I would say is I don't think, you know, physically this team is as, as strong as we were. I mean, they have physically some, some, some strong people, but the overall team speed and quickness, um, when you know at the time I was probably the best guy in the Bundesliga, you know Eddie Pope was extremely fast. Uh, Frankie Haydick was quick. Um, you got a guy like you know Pablo Mastriani, which he was just super strong uh, physically, you know very dominant. Uh, Claudio was physically very underrated. You know he was fast and just all around. You know you had a guy like Beasley, just a straight flyer. You know, young Landon Donovan, one of the fastest players in the league, and then Brian McBride just in the air, you know, dominant, one of the best hitters in the world. So we could go punch to punch with you. What I think what's different, and I will give this current team a little credit for, I think they've been coached a little bit more into into winning. Um, so they're able to figure out how to win games maybe that they shouldn't or against better teams mm-hmm. because they have a little more mature Winning attitude, I you know, which is it's kind of confusing because um, you look at the their performance in the last World Cup. You know, they did much better than the players they had on their team, um, and they they were able to find ways to win. Um, where we went in not afraid, and we were like a heavyweight fighter that says, "Hey, you know what? We're going to go toe to toe with you because we know we have the you know a knockout punch." And let's, we're not afraid to use it. And so, you know, we would go in and we knew we could knock anyone out. Where they maybe don't have that knockout punch and, and they come in and, and they might not be as good some days, but, but they figure out how to win, sure. win some of those games. Um, but again, like our, we had the knockout punch. Right, right. Uh, one more, one more question I have for you, Tony. Before we move on to talking about your foundation, you've played in almost every imaginable American league from the mid '90s. You know, you spent time indoors playing with the Milwaukee Wave and the Chicago Power. Of course, you were in what was then the USISO, playing with the Rampage, playing with the Minnesota Thunder. You played in the early days of MLS and and finished your career in MLS with the LA Galaxy in 2009 and squeezed in between there were quite a few years there in the Bundesliga with Hertha and FC Nuremberg. With all that vast experience, how have you seen the game grown from those first days in 96 of MLS, but you know even pre-dawn of MLS all the way till now? Well, uh, you know, the game itself has, has really grown globally. Um, you know, the sport in this country is, is, is really, you know, become mainstay. And, um, you know, the fact that you can turn your TV on on any Saturday and Sunday morning and watch soccer live um, and, and families are taking part in that is it, pretty incredible. So, yes, we were definitely in the Pioneer League years. You know, I still think as a country we've expanded, you know, really fast. And um, we probably lack depth at our highest level which um, causes us, I guess, some 
tactical inefficiencies that would prevent us from from playing, I guess, uh, in the top leagues around the world. But, you know, I would say the MLS teams are, are first division clubs and they could play in any first division in the world. Um, and if you take the top six teams away from most leagues, I think we'd be competitive. Um, you know, in a one-game situation, it's, it's a lot different. Over the course of the year, you know, injuries would catch up with the MLS teams because of the lack of depth and the amount of young players that get that get forced in the, into service kind of early. Um, also, I think the practices suffer a little bit because there's so many young players that tactically um, it, it affects the way the, the whole practice goes because there's a lot of players without the you know the experience. Um, but but that being said, is the, there's been tremendous growth. Um, we're very consistent in the World Cup. I mean, we've gotten out of the first round. Um, we we ping pong. You know, we bounce back and forth with Mexico as the dominant team in in Concacaf. We you know, we just had a 17-year-old, you know, start and score in the, in the Bundesliga. So, you know, the country's done a lot. And, you know, and even the last World Cup when it might have been a little bit disappointing, you give credit when we were good enough to go out and figure out how to win games um, when when uh, we, we were clearly not the better team. You know, I think one thing is when you, when you look at the World Cup that I played in, even the games that we lost um, – to what looked like better teams on paper, or or games that we 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 won, it came out that well we outplayed them, um, and we were the better team. But this team, even when it it looked like they might have been outplayed, even the games they won, everyone said, well they got outplayed, but they won. So that's a special maturity, and that's kind of like they they used to have a joke that says you know football is a game where. You know, 11 guys or 22 guys go and kick a ball around and the Germans win the game um, <laughs> because they have that mentality. And I think if if we can grow, you know, you know, technically, tactically, and physically, but keep that mentality, uh, that's what's going to make us eventually a top four team. Well, Tony here, we want to transition here for just a moment and talk a little bit more about your foundation. You talk about, you know, how the, the game has grown so much. Foundations like yours and different youth developments and this and the way the game has gone so far continue to grow because of foundations like yours. Can you give us a little bit of background about what your foundation is and what you're doing to help? Well, you know, when I retired, I really wanted to be involved in soccer, and I realized that youth soccer, you know, was somewhat tribal, and <clears throat> I didn't want to fight over kids, and I didn't want a, uh, a mom or a dad telling me, you know, my profession. So I wanted to service all the clubs, so, you know, I started a foundation, and my first goal was to serve kids, so I had to figure out where they were at, and they're at schools, you know, on sports teams and, and in parks. So our mission is to empower, improve, and unite. And we empower through education. We improve through enrichment, um, movement-based sports camps. And we unite by by teaching and, and modeling anti-racism behavior, but also, um, you know, connecting uh, communities from within. Um, so we've grown in the last uh, five years from three three people and thirty thousand dollars to you know, over 60 people, and we have a, we'll have a $3 million-plus budget this year, and we've just received state funding through the legislature to, to expand our academic and enrichment programming. So um, the fact that uh, we're not looked at just as a sports camp, um, but everybody realizes that soccer is a big part of what we do, it is kind of special. And uh, 
although my goal is to change the grades in the schools, um, very quietly I've, I've been able to institute or um, support a lot of uh, soccer activities at the same time. That's fantastic, Tony. It's great to hear about these guys who've been so successful, Baxter, and giving back to the community. Absolutely. Obviously, obviously, Tony, that's something that you're doing. Where can people find information about the Santa Fe Foundation? Um, the easiest way is just to go to our website. Obviously, we're on Facebook and we have Twitter, but it's thesantafoundation.org. Um, and you can see about our programs. And, you know, this summer we'll have 100 free summer camps for 10,000 kids. So if you're in Minnesota and you want to send your kids to camp, uh, you have that access. And um, we also do some stuff internationally. We we do impact trips to Haiti, um, and we're currently in the middle of a two-year State Department um, uh, exchange grant where we're bringing Haitians here and, and taking Americans there. So uh, there's a lot of different ways to get involved with us. And you know, one way is just if you support what we do through advocacy and like us on Facebook and Twitter and follow what we do. And if you see something you like, uh, spread the word. Well, Tony, we want to thank you so much here on Two Upfront for spending time with us. Ladies and gentlemen, a man who played in the 2002 World Cup, went all the way to the quarterfinals in that World Cup, spent a great career all the way from the early days of UCICL and MLS to the Bundesliga, finishing up his career with the LA Galaxy. Tony Sane, thank you again so much for spending time with us here on Two Upfront. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. We are going to run to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk Copa America and see if Simon is still ready to fire Jurgen Klinsmann or what exactly is going to happen. And we'll look at the third place game and everything else coming up with Copa America. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Stay with us. Back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFootsall.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. Okie doke, Simon. I know you're just dying, dying to talk about it. I am too. But uh, the United <laughs> States crashing and burning out of the Copa America. They're still around. They can still win the, the second loser's trophy. They can still be the third place winner when they take on Colombia. Which, but, hey, you know what? Third place in a Copa America, Baxter, is not, not something to sneeze at. Now, if they lose the Copa in the third place game. But they, they're playing a far better team than they played in the Gold Cup, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves, first, of, first and foremost. But but you have to have the right players out there. Of course, they're going to have Jermaine Jones back. Of course, which they'll we know have he'll Bedoya play. back. Which we know he'll play. He better. I shouldn't say he better. Jones does need to play. But if, if we want to go back and talk about that Argentina game, am I, am I doing this too soon? Is this too soon? No, go ahead. I was upset that Wondolowski was the starter. Yeah. Right? So you start two withdrawn forwards, basically, with Dempsey and Wondolowski. Mm-hmm. You don't have any speed from Wando. It's, he's, listen, he's great in MLS. And I, and I know off the field he's a fantastic guy. But he does not belong on the U.S. national team. He means well. He should have learned, Klinsman should have learned this in 2014. But yet he still brings him in for this camp, brings him in for this tournament. And granted, the whole team played horrible, but he did not add to it. But you put the 17-year-old in, Pulisic, right? Pulisic. Pulisic. I always get it wrong. Whatever. Just say it fast. Until he retires. (laughs) Pulisic. (laughs) He gets in there. Now, does he do, you know, 
Miracles? No, but he at least fights for that ball. He mm-hmm. made some runs down the field with the ball. He brought some energy there. I am tired of people saying about him particularly, Pulisic, that we can't put him in. we got to bring him along slowly. This kid has been in the big pond, and he's been successful in the big pond. He's already playing successfully in the Bundesliga. This is not a Freddie Adu thing where... You know, he's an MLS. We've got we to gotta make sure that he's doing okay. He's doing great. Mm-hmm. So him coming to the international level, listen, when you're playing in the Premier League, when you're playing in La Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga, you're playing at the international you're level. right. I completely agree with you on that. So one. I don't understand why he's not starting in that game. I also, Beckerman as well, I, I understand that that was more of a hopeful, um, uh, you know, the chemistry even, version even of trade, even trade, you know, yeah, right, with Jermaine, Jermaine Jones. Jones. It's not, though. But I think you put Darlington Nagby in there. Again, think, well, because of his speed, yes. you've got to counter what's going on with Messi and what's mm-hmm. going on with all these Argentinians. But the way they move that ball around the field, the U.S. players could not get to it. You need somebody like Darlington Nagby with his speed, but also somebody who can command that midfield. Mm-hmm. And that's what Nagby does. Last point I'm going to make is going into this tournament, the big player that everybody talked about was, should he still be playing as Clint Dempsey? Yeah. The question is not about Dempsey. It's about Michael Bradley. Mm. He does not deserve to play in this game. How interesting. In okay. Look at that game. Pass after pass after pass went directly to somebody in blue, not somebody in white. Mm-hmm. The, and people are blaming, blaming Birnbaum for, the, uh, for that goal in which Bradley went to pass him the ball and he couldn't get it. That's because he played it so far ahead of Birnbaum. And he plays it where there's one... U.S. player on defense that has three blue guys on him already. So you don't play the ball there. Bradley's making horrible choices, horrible mistakes. I think at least with the third place game, Klinsman has to sit him. And the big question is, well, who do you play there? You play somebody who's going to make better decisions. Perry Kitchen, who hasn't played a single second this entire tournament, I think he even would have been a better choice over Kyle Beckerman, honestly. I mean, you look at this roster, you look at the players there, you look at the bench, it's not the deepest bench around, but then we hear all the numerous arguments about Wondolowski and Pulisic and Nagby and even Edgar Castillo, Steve Birnbaum. I think Steve Birnbaum should have seen more action than he did in this tournament as well, too. But the thing that I think fans are going to take away from this, they made it, I think, farther than it was expected with the players that were there. And why? Because Klinsman was consistent. Exactly. Going to give you a high five for that one. There you go. So he did what we've all been clamoring. Because yes. people have been coming at me saying, so you, you've always wanted Klinsman gone, but, but look at what he's done. And I say to them, yes, he's finally played a consistent lineup. He's finally been putting players in the positions mm-hmm. that they actually need to play. Uh, but I still think, Baxter, my big thing is we keep treating the symptoms Yes. Right? We've had this conversation about, well, who do you play at left back? Mm-hmm. I still go back to say, you still have to weigh whether this guy stays employed based on the players he's picking. Hmm. He did himself a total disservice yes. by not actually bringing in a left back and putting Fa- Fabian Johnson in that left back spot when you need somebody of his skill set in that midfield as a winger. You're correct. No, I completely agree with you on that one. I mean, it's interesting to see how there's so many different players on this roster that maybe could have made a bigger impact. But it was good to see consistency on the defensive side of things for this entire tournament. If Yedlin doesn't get that stupid red card, this is the same back for the entire tournament, which was something that it doesn't matter who those, those other attackers were up front. The fact is that it was the same back for the entire tournament, I think, put a lot of people to rest finally, saying, you know what, thank God they figured this out, at least for now. Complain what you will about Fabian Johnson being out of position or whatnot. 
he was the best left back I think that the U.S. has seen in a long time at an international tournament. And I it, think. It, yes, at an international tournament. But it, but this is where I'm going back to is it doesn't. We shouldn't even be having this conversation, basically. Yes, no, and I agree with you on that one. But until another guy asserts himself as a consistent, dominant left-back for the U.S. men's national team, there's no reason that Fabian Johnson should not be that left-back starter. No, no, and this is where I disagree with you in in a roundabout way. You've got Jorge Villafana playing in... uh, But how much national team experience does he have, though? That's where I fault Klinsman, is that he's not calling him in, and he should be. We don't know the answer to that question ultimately right. of no, how I he agree. is until he gets in there. That's why I'm saying we can keep talking about the symptoms, but what's the illness for the fact that you've got guys playing extremely well down in Mexico like Jorge Villafaña, who is a fantastic left back. We saw him really uh, hone into that position when he was playing with Portland. He was a big reason Portland won that MLS Cup. Mm-hmm. Then he goes down to Mexico, plays just as well, so it's not while well, it's just MLS. Yes. And then he doesn't get called up. No, I agree. No, I completely agree with you on that one. But you look at this game, you you look at the quality of players. We, we heard from Tony Sana in the last segment, too, a little bit about, you know, this U.S. team not being nearly as physical as teams in the past or being you know more athletic or whatever you want to say. The players that were showing up and in bunches were guys like Lionel Messi, Gonzalo Higuain, even Lavezzi as well. There's nobody on the United States that can go step for step with them. There just isn't. But... The, the the biggest issue there, and this is where the history comes into play. Yes. Okay. Watching a Bruce Arena team, 2006 notwithstanding. Of course. Watching a Bob Bradley team. Every time they stepped on the field, I believed that they believed that they were going to win this mm-hmm. game. And the U.S. has not looked like that in a very, very long time. And I don't know if they ever have under Jurgen Klinsmann, honestly. I The only time I've seen them is when they're playing friendlies. And that's what's so disappointing. Yes. It's great that you beat Germany 4-3 in a friendly. Mm-hmm. It's great that you beat the Netherlands. It's great that you beat Mexico. But when it really counts, we don't see that belief. And that, I agree. that disturbs me. That really does. Because Arena and Bradley worked so hard on that to get these guys to believe. And that's a lot of those 94s after working under uh, Bora Militinovic and then working under Steve Sampson. You know, Bruce Arena comes in. And one of the things that a lot of the players, especially from that Steve Sampson team, mm-hmm. said about Bruce Arena... And, and, and keep in mind for those younger listeners out here who are thinking, ah, Bruce Arena, whatever. But the big, the biggest compliment those guys paid Bruce Arena is that they turned them into a bunch of players who played soccer into guys who believed they could win every game. Exactly, and that at the end of the day is what is important. The fact that the U.S. didn't even register a single shot in this game, not one, not even on target, not even off target, not even in the twenty yards around goal. There was no shots in this entire no, game. And we saw the same thing against Germany in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Too much respect. You know what? Take it to them. Exactly. That's the thing. I mean, the U.S. thrives on being that underdog. Let's go. Let's be, you know, America. We can rise up against our foes. And we don't see that. You know, no. we, we don't see that. Uh, and in fact, you know, I think Klinsman even made the comment. And I understand where he's coming from, okay? I get this, that mm-hmm. that he's tired of the underdog, uh, underdog label. But Until they prove otherwise. But when you're sitting here saying, when I get hired for this job, I want to bring an American culture to this game. Sure. Well, that's part of the American culture is we love the underdog tag. 
We love saying, yeah, we're going to mm-hmm. prove the world wrong. You're right. No, I completely agree with you. Well, I want to play something for you, Simon, that you haven't heard yet, but Colin Cowherd was on his show, The Herd, on uh, Fox Sports 1 recently talking about this, which uh, for those of you who are probably going, why, why is Colin Cowherd talking about soccer? Well, he actually, surprisingly, Simon, knows a little bit more about soccer than I think people give him credit for, but there was a segment that he had. It was only about a minute long that I want to play for you that you haven't heard yet. I, I, I just I want to get your comments and your reaction to his comments about the U.S. Take a listen. And here's the other thing about American soccer fans. In Argentina and Brazil, in Colombia, in Spain, they're rough on the players, sort of like we are on LeBron and Steph Curry. They're tough. Oh, they'll rip their coach, but they'll rip their players. They create massive pressure. You have to be good. If Messi has a bad game, he'll be criticized. Their talk radio, they'll beat up on the players and the coach. We don't. Our suburban soccer players, they're all super duper. We give them pats on the back, foot rubs, and orange slices. Why won't anybody say Michael Bradley's completely pedestrian and hasn't gotten any better in two years? Why won't anybody say that? Why won't anybody say that Jermaine Jones made an idiotic juvenile move against the last opponent, not allowing him to play in this game? Why does nobody criticize our players and hold them to the same standard we hold Tom Brady to? 50% of you think Tom Brady's overrated. Everybody loves Michael Bradley. He's average. We don't hold our players accountable. We don't put pressure on them. Well, thank you for making that comment about Michael Bradley because I think he just, if he would have been listening to our show, right, he would have just heard (laughs) a guy taking him to task. So you want to you want to know my reaction? I would like to, to know your that, reaction right? to that. I have I have a, a reaction, but I want to hear yours first. Mixed feelings, Baxter, about okay. that. It, it, and it actually is not that I disagree with anything that he's saying about our players, but I think as much as I love hearing a mainstream sports guy talk about soccer mm-hmm. in this way, I think he's a little off in that we do hold the the U.S. soccer fans do hold these guys accountable. You know, as we're talking on this show, Michael yep. Bradley doesn't deserve to play. I, I love the comment that he made about Jermaine Jones. And you go on Twitter, there are plenty of people saying, Jermaine Jones, why did you do that? So I think Cowherd is a little bit out of touch with the uh, the soccer world, the U.S. soccer world, and that we are holding our players accountable. What has to, What's the next step in the progression is that soccer breaks through that barrier where guys like him... And guys, it'll never happen with Jim Rome. But uh, you know, you turn on Sports Center, mm-hmm. and you hear guys blasting players like this. You know, blasting instead of just making fun of soccer. Yeah. You know, make make fun of these players for a specific reason. Hey, you know, I would love it if you turn on Sports Center and there's a one seg- one minute segment on all of Michael Bradley's bad passes. Yeah. You know, like you might see with, uh, like he's saying LeBron. If they if Le- LeBron had a week of just bad games. Mm-hmm. You know, they put a low-light package like that yeah, together. Absolutely. So I agree with what he's saying, but I also think he's just a little bit out of touch. And, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps he needs to jump into the soccer sphere on Twitter and the soccer sphere on Facebook yeah. and actually see that that is actually what the U.S. fans are doing. And my last point, Baxter, I want to add in there, as I obviously have been, we need to be more critical of our manager, no matter who it is. I'm not just saying Klinsman. Mm-hmm. No matter who it is, we need to be more critical of them. I agree. There's no way that if Klinsman was coaching another national team that cared about soccer, he'd still have a job. No, that's a completely impossible thing to think about, that he would have a job at this point. I think the biggest takeaways from this center around the fact that 
a guy like Colin Cowherd who has so much pull in the the mainstream sports. This isn't unfortunately like we mentioned the soccer world as much as you want to say yes, you know, the, US, the soccer has grown so much in the United States. Sure, it has. It's still not a big time sport. It's not the NFL. We're not going to hear MLS players, we're not going to hear about just how trash Josie Altador is in MLS. We're just not going to hear that right. on SportsCenter. We're not right. going to hear a 30-minute segment on ESPN, Mike and Mike. We're just, we're just not going to hear that, unfortunately. Well, and I, actually, you know, when I think about it, I think that's more what he's hitting on, mm-hmm. is that you, you almost hear that desire in his voice of he's not just talking about U.S. soccer fans. I actually think yeah. he's talking about sports fans in general. Oh, exactly. Of, hey, yeah. you know, even those people who don't know much about the game, mm-hmm. stop saying these guys are good because exactly. they're not. No, they're absolutely, he's absolutely correct about that. And I think it's great to see the fact that someone is not afraid to go on mainstream television like, like Fox Sports 1. Yes, they are a little bit more soccer than ESPN is, all that being aside. It's good to see somebody step out and say that. But I really do think the United States still has such a far way to go before they themselves assert themselves as a, a major soccer power Absolutely. on any on anything. Absolutely. You say what you will about the soccer media being so much better than it was. Yes, it has been, but it's still not the same. Until we can put the NFL and MLS or U.S. soccer in the same sentence, which I know is going to take a really long time, soccer in America is just not going to be respected. Well, it, it, I would say more of... I want to clarify a little bit. I, I would say more of MLS itself is not that big. Yes. But soccer in this country, I mean... We're breaking records every time. We are, but a it's, world... it's a it's a thirty second segment on a on a national TV show. That's all it is. No, right, right. But I'm I'm, I'm like if you look 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 at TV ratings. Yes. Though, and for the fact that again, you look at the Premier League mm-hmm. outdrew the NHL this year in America yeah. with with viewership ratings. So soccer in and of itself is a major sport. It is yes. But MLS as a league nowhere near. No, and it, and it won't be for a and long time. And I shouldn't time. say, again, shouldn't say nowhere near. It outdraws the NHL, not TV ratings, but with fan attendance. Yes. But it's still looked at as a minor to league an sport extent, by mainstream though, but media. It's, it's hard to compare those two sports, though, too, because you could even say that MLS has maybe outdrawn Major League Baseball at times, too, because of the size of the venues. The NHL, yes, but... The NHL doesn't have 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 no, seats. No, but Baxter, though. 20 years ago, people would laugh at you if you said MLS is going to outdraw the NHL. Yes, and In fact, they did. Yeah, you know? no, of and, course, and, and, and I understand that. When bigger stadiums get built, people were saying, well, those will never get filled. Now you've got sold-out games in Sporting Kansas mm-hmm. City and Portland and Seattle. And for the fact that you do have a franchise like Seattle... I actually said that drawing nearly forty thousand every game. Yeah, in an that's NFL a huge stadium. testament. It is. No, I, I I see that point as well too. I still don't think MLS is as popular as NHL is, as hockey as sure, a whole is, right, just because right. of the whole Canadian influence as well too. Will it surpass it? I think it will at some point. MLS but is still, it, it's still the new kid on the matter, block right though. now. That's see for me it to doesn't matter average, anymore. To the average, it's. It's different because to the average sports fan, which at the end of the day, I think is still how sports are judged in America. Nowhere else in the country are right, average no. sports fans judged this way. Well, what I'm asking for you personally, yes. does it matter? Does it matter? That MLS gets bigger than NHL, which I, I would actually argue with because I think the people who care about NHL, for the most part, either lived in an NHL city or they still live there. Well, the NHL is one of those leagues where you have it is. You have to either live in the city or you have to have been born and bred an, M- right. an NHL fan. So in that respect it's no different than MLS. To an extent, no, because I've been a lifelong Revolution fan. I've never once been to Boston, I've okay. never once been to a Revs game. So then maybe it is getting bigger than exactly. NHL. Exactly. But that's the thing. It is that uh, to that point, yes it is. It is bigger than the NHL, but the NHL has the history. They've got a lot of different sure. things that in America, in America, quote unquote, outweighs what 
the U.S. soccer does because MLS is still the new kid, the baby on the block right now. Yeah, the thing for me, the reason I was asking you is doesn't matter because that's always been a question since I was five years old is why, why does it matter to you if soccer gets big in this yeah. country? You know, And for me, again, from that perspective, it's, it's gotten so much bigger than I could have ever dreamed of. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's easy to sit back and say, you know what, I, I don't really care anymore. If you don't want to watch it, fine, I don't care. I'm, I don't have to play that evangelist anymore because it's gotten so big to when I was a kid. But the reason I still want it to get bigger, Baxter, is because I want the best players playing in our league. You're right. No, I completely agree with you on that one. And will we see that? I think we will. And I think the fact that what NWSL is doing, which we'll talk about a little bit more in our next segment, is a good testament because they're starting to send a message to MLS saying, look, sure, we don't have as many teams as you guys do, but we're doing it right. We're bringing in the best players in the world to our league. I know it's different in the women's game, but they're setting a precedent for even MLS that they should take a step back and look what they're doing and say, hmm, They're doing something right. Why can't we do this as well? Money, money, money. Exactly. It's all about the money at the end of the day. So the United States, they'll play in the third place game Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern University of Phoenix. The final will be Argentina versus Chile on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. And Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, you can check those games out, both on Fox Sports 1 as well. We're going to run to a break, unless you have any other final comments. Uh, You have a prediction? You still stick with Argentina? Argentina's going to win, and Colombia's going to win. I think so as well. Tim it, Howard's going to start a goal, though. I, I can't. Well, he will. And I can't make a prediction about the U.S. game because I have a feeling Klinsman's going to send out a completely different lineup. He will. In the name of it's a third-place game. He's going to start everybody that hasn't started yet. We're going to see Perry Kitchen. Pulisic's probably going to go 90 minutes. He should. He's going to shine. He should. People are going to be enraged. As well as they should and be Klinsman's with him. going to give everybody the finger and walk off the field and be like, I'm done. I don't even care. Anyway, that's irrelevant. All right, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we'll move into the NWSL, take a look back in the week forward. Maybe the Houston Dash will finally do something. I doubt that. Anyway, we'll talk about that more when we come back right after this on Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, let's jump into the NWSL. They took a couple weeks off, and now they're back again. And uh, there's been some interesting changes around the, the top four teams of the league, but I think the one team that continues to surprise a lot of people is Western New York Flash. Not only with the fact that they have god-awful jerseys, but the fact that they are scoring goals and beating teams that people didn't think they were going to be able to beat. Absolutely, Baxter. <clears throat> Excuse me there. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those surprise teams that they're, you know, we've interviewed a few of their players now and uh believe their head coach as well. And, yep. and, and and they did, they all talked about how they just, they needed to find a way to gel together. And obviously that's happening. You're right. I mean, they've scored 13 goals so far this season. They find themselves in fourth place currently right now at uh, with 5-4-0. and oh. They've played nine games. They've got a game in hand uh, above teams uh, like the Chicago Red Stars and Portland Thorns who have played 10 games. Uh, they've got 15 points on the year. They've just they've tied or they're tied right now in points with Orlando, who just beat Houston last night one nil in the final dying seconds of the game. Heartbreaker, a heartbreaker Baxter, for the for, you. Uh, for for me for the dash for everybody. Uh, at that point, I almost would have preferred to draw, honestly, but it is what it is. But Western New York Flash, though, a team that uh, I think is going to be 
a little better than people think they're going to be this season. Well, you they, they already are. I mean, as you said, if, if they happen to win their next game, they jump up to uh, tied for second place. Which is a feat in among itself, honestly. I mean, you talk about the teams. We, it was the Washington Spirit. It was the Washington Spirit. The Washington Spirit in the beginning. And now the Spirit have kind of drifted down. I mean, they do have two games in hand, though. So let's not get too yeah, ahead I mean, of they, ourselves. They could, still, they could still end up in first place here after these next Easily. couple of games. Because they got 17 points. They've played eight games. Your top, teams, your top team right now is the Thorns. 20 points on 10 games. So, again, if the Spirit were to win those games, they're in first place. You're right. The Thorns won back on Wednesday 2-0 over the Chicago Red Stars, that battle for first and second place. So that did help them assert themselves as the best team in the league now. They're two points ahead of the Red Stars. Looking at some other action coming up this weekend as we have uh, Western New York Flash playing Boston tonight and then FC Kansas City and Seattle play on Saturday along with the Washington Spirit and Sky Blue. And then on Sunday, the Orlando Pride play again against the Portland Thorns. So the Pride and the Thorns a double week this week for each of those squads. Some interesting games. I'm going to be keeping an eye on the Orlando-Portland game, but also the FC Kansas City-Seattle rain game as well, Simon. Well, talking about Western New York Flash, I'm really interested to see how they do against this game, uh, against the struggling Boston Breakers. Only two goals on the year, 15 against. So you got to believe a team like the Flash, who second-leading scorer in the league with 13 goals, is going to take apart the Boston Breakers. But... Those games can always be exciting because you never know what that bottom feeder is going to do, and perhaps you know they they can surprise everybody. A bit. Yeah, you're correct about that one. Yeah, we've seen that happen a couple of different times. Uh, you know, Western New York Flash and Boston, as you mentioned, Boston. They've only scored two goals on the year. They've allowed 15 on the same side. Washington, they've scored or Western New York, they've scored 13. On paper, New York should run away with this game. They really should. Absolutely. You know, and yeah, that's, no I think I think Western it. New York will win this game at the end of the day. FC Kansas City, Seattle, a hard one to predict depending on what FC Kansas City team shows up. They've started to get a little bit better form recently. They find themselves a 2-4-3 and three now after a victory against the Dash last week. Do you think FC Kansas City has what it takes to beat a Seattle team? Well, it depends on how Hope Solo is going to play in that Seattle Rain goal. You know, they also have uh, the Rain has that prolific player in Little as well. So, I don't think Kansas City's going to be able to pull this one off. I think we'll see Seattle get another three points on the season. Hmm. Washington Spirit and Sky Blue FC. Yeah, you know, when when you got Crystal Dunn in your lineup, it's hard to choose against her. Of course, Sky Blue FC right now, they're sitting on 10 points. We just already mentioned the Spirit that points per game-wise, they're top of the league right now. And I think it's going to stay that way, Baxter. I think we'll see the Washington Spirit officially get up to that uh, first place, or tied for first place. Yep, I think the Spirit will take this game. I will go back to that FC Kansas City-Seattle game. I think they end up in a draw, actually. Uh, and then now we have on Sunday, Orlando and Portland. An interesting game, Orlando. They're fresh off of a 1-0 last-minute winner on Thursday, just you know, last night, as we mentioned. But now they have to, you know, they have to travel, or well, not necessarily travel, but now they have to play host to a Portland team who played a day earlier than them. So both of these teams are going to be tired. It's going to be to see who is less tired. But Portland has to come from Portland exactly. all the way down to Orlando. Yeah, that pretty much is exactly what I was going to say, Baxter. Is Orlando gets to stay home? So yes, they've they've got that extra, or they you know have one day less of rest, but they get to rest at home. Portland's got to make that long trip all the all the way to Orlando. Now I think on paper Portland is a better team. Mm-hmm. But we're going to see those tired legs, and I do think Orlando's going to win this one. Hmm, how interesting. Um, it's hard to predict a game like this one when you've got a, a talented team like Portland, Orlando, 
No, Leanna Sanderson, they traded her away to Western New York Flash, which we'll talk about in our next segment a little bit more. Um, I think Portland comes away with a victory in this okay. game, honestly. Well, if they do, they stay undefeated, the only undefeated team. I think that's going to happen. 5-0-5 right now for them. A quick check up on some of your leaders in NWSL. Kristen Press leads all scorers with four goals. Nine other players are tied with three goals each. Tobin Heath leads the assist categories with five. Crystal Dunn right behind her with four. Kristen Press has 42 shots on the season. The next closest behind her is Alex Morgan with 29. That is a bit of a a testament to how poor the Red Stars offense is because Kristen Press has had to do all the heavy lifting. On the same side, she's put 27 of her 42 shots on frame, hence why she has four goals. So she's doing something right. And and if if you have uh, your best player scoring all the goals, well, hey, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that either. I don't think anyone's going to be too uh, too mad about that. Uh, looking at some of the goalkeepers, Libby Stout and Lydia Williams both have allowed 10 goals each. Ashlyn Harris has 38 saves on the year. Lydia Harris has 35. Clean sheets, Alyssa Nair has 5. And Stephanie Labby from Washington has 5 as well. Well, and if you look at who's in third there, Ashlyn Harris, 4 clean sheets on the year. And I think that's what's going to play a big part as well in this Portland-Orlando game. I agree. I completely agree with you on that one. All right, Simon. Well, we want to get right into our next segment, which will feature uh, Bianca Verrer of Vavil USA. We'll chat with her about some of the upcoming transfers that have taken place and get the lowdown on what's been happening uh, with Alex Morgan and the national teams yeah. as well. well Looking to forward to it. Absolutely. We'll be right back with her after this. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front. As we continue to move on with the show, I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. Let's move on from our NWSL chatting that we just had a little bit ago, talking about the previews and predictions for the upcoming games. And go, we don't have a, we don't have a, a women's player interview, but we have a women's soccer writer interview this week. We have Bianca Verrar from Vavil USA joining us on the program to talk a little bit about all the craziness that's been going on with the NWSL transfer season and so much more. Bianca, welcome to Two Up Front and good evening. Hi, well, thank you. It's great to be here. I'm excited for this. We're excited to have you on, Bianca. Well, the big thing I think we need to talk about right away is something that's very near and dear to U.S. women's national team hearts. It's Alex Morgan, and right now she is being rumored to possibly be leaving the beloved Orlando Pride after being such a a monumental figure. And you recently wrote about this over at Vavil USA. Can you give us a little bit more insight about what might be happening to Morgan? Well, um, from what I understand is that the owner of Lyon in France is very interested in having her go play overseas for them, especially since they've lost a lot of big-name players who have either retired or are going to other clubs overseas. So um, I guess he figures that now in between, like, Olympics and the next cycle for World Cup, he thinks it's the perfect time to bring her in. And there are rumors that say that she's also offering a reserve spot for her husband, Servando, um, on the Lyon Reserve, the men's team. So there are lots of things going on and lots of rumors being spread, but Alex hasn't said anything. So I guess it's all up in the air right now. How interesting. Well, if you had to speculate right now, does a move like this for Morgan seem to make sense? And I know she's playing the husband card right now, too, saying, hey, yeah, it's more likely I'll come, especially if I can bring my husband with me. But does a move like this make sense? Because we saw Megan Rapino over at PSG for a while, and then she's come back here now to the Seattle Reign. But 
Morgan, who I think is really starting to become the actual face now of U.S. soccer now that Abby Wambach is retired and a lot of other veterans have kind of parted their way, her leaving America to go play in Europe, is that a smart move overall? I feel like if she if that's something she wants to do with her career, it would end up being okay in the long run. But looking at it, um, the Pride are still kind of just starting out. And even though they pulled at like 2,000 um, people to their game in their opening match, they're still their numbers are still under 10,000. And it's like if they want to bring in players, they need to or bring in the audience that they want. They need to start getting more results at home. And I know even though it's a little annoying that big name players do bring in people, they need, I feel like they still need her there. But maybe in like a year or so, how depending on how the pride is doing, I guess it could be a good move for her if she wants to go develop technical skills, which I mean she has already, but it's just in Europe. It's just so much more different the way they play the game. So it would definitely help her. But I guess up to, for her, for now, it's just, up to her and how she feels it'll affect not only her family but also u.s soccer and soccer in america yeah bianca a little different subject but still in the same area so new york city came out and said that they're very sure they're going to start a women's team up Mm -hmm. here at uh very short well they didn't say very shortly but they they do have a women's team in melbourne city yep they have a women's team in uh manchester city so of course they want to get a women's team in New York City, and then find another place to go to that they can call city. The last part's not true, but uh, <laughs> I'm curious about city here, city there. <laughs> this is on the heels of Don Garber a couple months ago saying that he wants every MLS team to basically running a women's team. Um, not that not that there's any incentive there, but just simply because he believes that the more any soccer grows, it's good for everyone. Um, but specifically for you know a foreign group that owns New York City FC. Like to get your thoughts from uh, you know somebody who covers the NWSL so intimately. Your thoughts on if this could work or if this is more of a uh, the city group basically having another team that they kind of just play hobby with. Well, I feel like if they do things that it would benefit not only like their their profits but also just women's soccer in general, they should definitely go for it. But with New York, it's a little difficult because they already have a team in Rochester. And despite their best attempts there, they haven't been able to pull in the audience they want. And unfortunately for them, the results haven't been going their way. But lately, it seems like it's picking back up again. But um, overall, I feel like if they, the best decision for me, if I was with them, I would try to get New, Western New York Flash to maybe relocate to them because they already have like the fans they kind of have with some fans there already they already have players i just it doesn't make sense to me to have two new teams in new york you know there is the possibility of course though that if there is having that derby feel to it exactly that's what i was going to roll off with too i mean the soccer world loves to have their derbies especially i mean in a city like new or in a, a state like new york as well we've got nycfc and the red bulls you met the yankees giants you know you can go all over that place but i am curious do you think that a derby would be a better situation for it bianca i definitely think so um it definitely would bring in more people, getting more excitement over games, not necessarily like who's playing, but just the fact that their team does have a rivalry and something they can live off of. Because I know in, on the West Coast with Portland and Seattle, they definitely build off that rivalry and have them going at it. And those games bring in lots of people and it's just a, a very exciting atmosphere for them. 
Talking about an exciting atmosphere, we're staying in Orlando briefly for a moment as we're talking with Bianca Verar here of Vavil USA on to up front. Orlando had a very dynamic and exciting attacker in Liana Sanderson uh, get traded recently, and she finds herself in the team, as we just recently mentioned, at Western New York Flash now. So a team that continues to surprise people in the, in Western New York continues to get even better as well. What did you make of this move? Was it a good move? And who was the winner of this trade at the same time? I feel like it was. It did come as a surprise that she uh, she wanted to be traded to New York when she was being very successful in Orlando with Tom Fermani. But I think that she definitely will continue to develop um, under Paul Riley since she's they've known each other for years and he's coached her even when she was at the Portland Thorns last season. And um, I think she will definitely help them with their attack because from what how Paul uses her, from what I remember with the Thorns, she definitely was able to make an impact on the team's game overall. And I think that they, that Western New York definitely does need that right now. So it's a very good move for them. And as for Orlando with Tom Sermani, he gets an international roster spot. And I feel like there's just so much that he could do with that, depending on who he would want to bring in. So as of right now, I, I would personally say New York is getting the better end of it because they get someone right now. But if Tom Sermani can utilize that roster spot to someone who definitely helps the game, not only overall, but if like our nas- our women's national team is away, that would definitely make a huge impact on them. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one as well. Well, Bianca, before we let you go, of course, we got to put you on the spot. Who are you picking to win the league uh, regular season, and who do you think may win the – so that would be the Commissioner's Cup. Who do you think will walk away with the uh, the big trophy at the end of the, of course, end-of-season tournament in the NWSL? Ooh, this is a tough one. <laughs> um, well, from what it looks like, I want to say Chicago could possibly end up on top of the league. They've been very solid, just a couple of games where they struggled, like the other night against Portland. But um, overall, Chicago looks pretty strong, and they look like very likely contenders for regular season. But overall, (laughs) it's a little hard to say right now because everyone's still – trying to figure things out and teams are coming out and surprising us and other teams are well, and failing you, to do what they need to do. Let <laughs> so. me let me off let me let me uh, offer you to get off the hook here for a moment. <laughs> what I want to know is what is going on with FC Kansas City? Hmm. Good point. Well, I just with pregnancy, that's City. what's going on with FC Kansas City. It's pregnancy. That's <laughs> you, you can't uh, so, so many retirements for them. What about the Houston Dash? I feel like that's one team that uh, you and I both have a, a strong following for. I mean, we saw them lose last night to Orlando 1-0 on the, the 92nd minute, basically. But what do you make of the Houston Dash? It's always a conundrum that I try to I try to argue for as much as I can on the show. But um, they've got so much talent, but they can't ever seem to put it together. Is, is, it, is Carly Lloyd being out that much of a difference? Or is it just having so many new faces on the team? Or what is exactly is happening to the Houston Dash? I just feel like it's a lot of different things being pulled together right now. Just with Carly out, obviously that is a very big um, impact on them, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And I just feel like also with so many faces coming in and out, people being injured, at, like coming in and being injured and then coming back in, it's just a very – I think if they're struggling to find the right mix of people to play and get a good result consistently – because I understand that we have so many talented forwards and attacking players that I feel like Randy just hasn't 
found the right combination of them. But I know last night when they played Orlando, it started things started to look very good for them. It's just if they can find those missing pieces, then they should be able to get some points, hopefully. Well, fantastic. Well, Bianca, we appreciate you taking time here on the program. Let us know, uh, and those listening to, where they can find you, not only your writing, but where they can follow you on social media as well, please. Well, um, I'm on Babel USA, the NWSL section. So you can find my writing on there. But also, if you would like to follow me on Twitter or anything, I am on Twitter as at Bianca Verar, but it's B-I-A-N-C-A-V-E-R-A-W-R. Fantastic. Well, Bianca, thank you so much for taking time with us on the program this evening, and I hope to have you back on as well in the future. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. All right, we are going to run to a break. When we come back, do you know what time it is, Simon? Time for MLS. That's what time okay, it is for. Okay. You're looking at okay. me like, I don't know. What time is it? <laughs> Just, yeah. Time for some MLS stuff. The Revolution, they got a victory. I got to gloat about that for at least a couple seconds before they screw it up again. But we'll talk about that and uh, a couple other things as well when we come back. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Stay with us. Back inside the studio, two up front, continuing to move along as we look forward to so many more action to be talking about here on the show. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, let's move into Major League Soccer, better known as MLS. It's been a while, Baxter. A very long time. I almost forgot we had a Major League Soccer or a Men's Professional League or any sort of professional soccer because it's been so long. But we talked about the women in the last segment. Now we get to move on to the men. And uh, see what's been going on in MLS, honestly. And it's been a, an interesting one. And uh, what we what we realized, you know, before the Copa America break is that Colorado was good. And it's been a couple weeks, and Colorado's still a good team. They're still a good still team. still a good team. And uh, it wasn't a dream. It wasn't any weird thing. Like, they're still the best team in the league. They have 32 points. And they're eight days away. So, no, seven days away from uh, having Timmy Howard walk on Timmy, the field. Timmy Howard. I don't know what to say about that. They're nine five and two. The only thing you can say about that is you gotta feel bad for McMath being in goal, playing an awesome season, and you know they've talked to him and said, Listen, <laughs> we just you spent well. a lot of money. You're a great guy. Baxter, it's 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 them saying it's not you, it's me. And they actually mean it this exactly, time. Exactly, yeah. Does Zach McMath get traded? Well, I think the trade deadline is Past. I thought there was a summer deadline. The summer transfer. Is there, that's Maybe. right. That's right. You're right. There is a summer. I think, boy. At this point, he's got a fairly good bargaining chip on his side. So, he hey, sure I does. made Colorado the best team in the league. you got to believe that there's some teams sitting in the league licking their chops right now, hoping that Colorado starts throwing Chicago, them out there. Chicago, Columbus, D.C., Seattle, Houston, Vancouver. No, not Vancouver. No, because that's not Alstead's fault out, uh, up there in Vancouver. Maybe Montreal. Aaron Bush has done decent. TFC? Eh. Anyways, there's, plenty, there's enough plenty teams, teams out there. Yeah. Chicago, Columbus especially, D.C., Bill Hamid, sure, I know he's coming back, but D.C. is a lost cause right now. Houston, Seattle, they all need desperate help. Portland I was going to say something about, but it's just a really strong West. They're not a bad team. No, you know, Gleason's been doing okay. He hasn't been stellar, and Kawarse, once he comes back... He, 
he's not a keeper that you want to put on the bench either. No. No, I completely agree with you with that. Uh, fun fact for you really fast, uh, brought to our friends by whoscored.com. Mauro Diaz, Simon, has been followed the most in MLS this is season. Is that right? 42 times. Wow. Fun fact. You know, the one thing I'll say about McMath is maybe he does say to the Colorado higher-ups, you know what, keep me here. I want to learn I want to learn from Tim Howard. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 24, which is still young for a goalkeeper. You know, goalkeepers will play, as we see with Tim Howard, till you know, 38, 39, 40. Yep. But who knows? He's he's obviously proven himself. Proven himself where he also may be sitting back saying, "I don't need to learn right now. I need to play." Exactly. McMath has been in the league long enough that I feel like it is time for him to be a consistent starter somewhere in MLS, or he needs to find his way to Europe somehow. That's a good point too, Baxter. I think that would be a good move for him. All right, so let's uh, let's take a look back briefly at some of the games that have taken place here earlier on in the week. Tuesday it was the Canadian Championship. TFC defeating Vancouver one nil. Nobody really paid attention because they were watching Argentina stomp all over the United States that night. Although there were still 20,000 fans at BMO Field. Because so the, Can- the Canadians are like, well, we're not in Copa America, <laughs> eh, right. so we don't that's care. Right. Let's go watch some uh, Canadian championships. And I do got to say, not to not to be going off topic here, but man, that new refurbished stadium, not new stadium, refurbished stadium looks fantastic. Gorgeous. BMO, BMO, BMO Field. And that's yes. not BMO Harris. That's right. It's an American <laughs> right. thing. I get to... But Sebastian Giovinco doing what he does, puts TFC up 1-0 on aggregate. Uh, I don't have here when the second leg is being played. I had it, and I lost it, Baxter. I apologize for that. June 29th. Thank you, June 29th. Back at BC Place, eh? Yeah, they're in Vancouver. Trophy. And I will say this, though. I think that Vancouver was tired from that game that they played against New England a couple days previous to that. Even though the Revs emerged 2-1 to one victories, victors in that game, that was a very physical game, and I think going up against a team like Toronto, who is a very physical run-and-gun team, I think Vancouver just didn't have enough left in the tank, and they're saying, hey, if we can maybe only lose 1-0, they've got a plenty of opportunity going back to BC Place in now six, seven days, or six days' time to maybe take that game down. Right, and give credit, though, to TFC for not allowing that away goal because mm-hmm. that, that could have been a huge deciding factor for them. So, yeah, we shall see what happens here in just a few days' time and Absolutely. who will go on to the CONCACAF Champions League the Champions. with the uh, Canadian else. Championship. All right, uh, MLS action. Philadelphia and Chicago played a barn burner of a game and Philadelphia emerged victorious in that one based off of a hat trick from an unlikely gentleman in this one, Simon. We were yeah. really surprised by this. Roland Alberg. Who? Exactly. I was I was reading about how only 0.6% of fantasy owners <laughs> own him. Did they start him? That's the real That's question. That's the question. And did they captain him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to probably say no. So, David Ackham. Second he, minute. Second minute. You know, so when, dang when, fast. When I went down to the game in Chicago yep. with, with Portland, uh, Ackham was the only one that was actually playing really well that night out of both teams. Yep. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that we saw him score that second minute goal. He's been goal. quietly good all season long for Chicago, I feel like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One of the few uh, bright spots. Yeah, if you put him on a team like Vancouver or Montreal, this guy would be scoring goals left mm-hmm. and right and without I wonder, a doubt. And I wonder if we don't see him move, maybe. Maybe if I'm David Ackham, I'm saying, look, that's great that I'm kind of the man here in Chicago, but I want to win, and Chicago is right. not going to do that for a long time. Send me to a team in the Western Conference that I know is going to actually use me properly because the East has no clue. The East is the 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 slow. The East is the early U.S. teams. They're slow. They're physical. They're going to beat you up. 
and the West is the what the U.S. tries to be now. They try to be fast and pacey and counterattacky. Yes, that's a great point, Baxter. Doesn't always work, but it's for the most part. I do want to point out that Alberg had had an actual true hat trick. If you don't know what a true hat trick is, it's where you score your three goals without any goals in between. Yep. He scored a goal in the eleventh minute, the uh, in stoppage time in the first half, and then again in the fifty-sixth minute. Credit Chicago for not going away, though. Traditionally, they would. They brought this game all the way back to four-three in the eightieth minute. And this was actually the first multi-goal game of the season since the season opener for Chicago yeah, as well. Yeah, you, you look at this. Uh, there was actually a, a goal in the 11th minute by uh, Jonathan Campbell, an own goal there for Philadelphia. <laughs> Alberg scores a goal just about 20 seconds later, by the way. Uh, so Philly was actually up 4-1 in this game. Yeah. As you said, Baxter, final score is 4-3. So, yes, you almost feel like Chicago knows what they're doing for about 70 minutes of a game. Mm. But then there's that 20 minutes where they just go... Huh? What are we doing? What? Because a score like 4-3 and the way Chicago ended up coming back in that game, you'd expect to see this to be the type of team that would have more wins on the season. Yeah. More wins in the last three seasons. Exactly. Anytime you score three goals in a game, you'd like to think that this team knows what they're doing, but we haven't seen that from Chicago this year. They are the worst team in MLS. They have 11 points on the season. They stand at 2-5-7. and seven. They've allowed 20 goals, scored 14. It's not a good team right now. Not, it's not their year, team. unfortunately. An interesting game that took place the next night, though, was RSL in New York. The Red Bulls, they've been doing well. They had scored. They had, had 12 points in their last four games. They were 4-0 in their last four games, and they go up against an RSL team who's done okay, but not that spectacular. They score in the seventh minute with Gideon Baugh after a nice assist from Sean Davis, and then RSL finally comes back, and they score two goals in the 65th and 87th minute, and they take away a 2-1 victory. Interesting, Baxter, that both away teams in the two games we've discussed so far were the ones to go up 1-0, and then they end up losing these games. Yeah, it certainly seemed like the Red Bulls were going to win this game uh, from start to finish. I was actually doing more listening of it than watching it. Uh, but as you said, uh, Movi- Movis- uh, this is another name. Movisian. Thank you. Uh, he's been having yeah. quite You're a stellar year. Yep. Um, I have not picked him up in fantasy, and I wish I had. I actually did pick up Plata with RSL Plata, having yeah. their double, lead, uh, double, double game week. Hasn't worked out for me so far, only three points with Plata. Um, but Jordan Allen finishes it off, yep. 87th minute goal. And you can you can say a little bit about this that the Red Bulls finished the game with ten men, but the red card happened in the ninetieth minute for Riley and Collins, so it doesn't really count. They they played ninety minutes with eleven v eleven, so you can't make an argument at all saying well, they were a man down. That's why they lost. No. Well, and it was a questionable red card too at that Baxter. Collins slid in to win the ball from Plata. And Straight actually, red. Yeah. Even the RSL guys, I was listening to them on the radio, and they were even saying, uh, "Not so sure that looked pretty clean." So it really was. A bit uh, interesting, to say the least. I agree with you on that one. Speaking of an interesting game that uh, I think folks were really amped up for that turned out to be a semi-disappointment, depending on how you look at it, the Galaxy and the Colorado Rapids. Potentially one of the teams in the West that might finally be able to deal with with Colorado's weird season, what you thought maybe would be the, the strong LA Galaxy. But that didn't be the, that wasn't the case. Well, and that part one. of that surprise is Dos Santos wasn't really expected to play it, but then all of a sudden you see him in the starting lineup. He's subbed later by Mike McGee, but uh, you're thinking Dos Santos is in. You know, all these teams are weakened right now yep. with all the international call-ups, and yet the one game you would expect to end with a little bit of fireworks, ends up 0-0. Yes, yep, I agree. And one of the things that did take place that night, Robbie Rogers was not uh, able to play due to recovering from ankle surgery. We did see uh, LA Galaxy 2, 
forward Jack McBean make a debut, and he said after the game, he's like, first half, I was a little nervous. You know, I could think some of my touches were a little off, but uh, overall, I thought I did okay. So good to see Bruce Arena promoting some of his younger guys while guys like Zardes were off with the national team. On the flip side, Michael Azura came in in the, uh, I think in the second half here. My point here is Azura's been a very strong player, Mm -hmm. and when Jones comes in, he's been pushed out. Yes. Um, He's been winning more and more playing time back. That's another player, though, that, man, if you're Colorado, you want to see on the field more often. Agreed. And I, and I have to say, Pablo Mastrani obviously doing a wonderful job with Colorado. Yep. But I certainly uh, I, I question him when he, when he doesn't play a zero in there. I agree with you on that one. All right, let's take a look at the week that's coming up here for MLS. Seattle taking on NYCFC. Uh, Seattle hosting this game, NYCFC. They're looking to. They're coming off of a victory where they saw all three of their designated players score in that game. Frank Lampard, David Villa, and of course the man Andrea Pirlo as well score a beautiful free kick in that one. So they are excited to be back in action, going up against a Seattle team that's struggling to find relevance right now. NYCFC they travel across the country to Seattle, so obviously travel will be a factor. However, NYCFC, in my opinion, gets a victory. At Baxter, I'm going to agree with you on this one, and everything for you, you know, for the reasons that you said. And of course, the Sounders don't have Clint Dempsey. They do have Jordan Morris, who's been playing pretty sure. well. But overall, Seattle as a team has not been playing well. And uh, meanwhile, New York City FC, granted, they had their 7-0 drubbing against the Red Bulls. I think they're going to find a way to. I think then, they're going to make the playoffs. They've been okay. Yeah, I think they're going to be a top three well, team. Well, they in play the in the East. That's not too it's much not of hard a prediction. To do. It's really not. <laughs> Speaking of the East, DC United and the Revolution play. The Revs off of a 2-1 victory, a much-needed 2-1 victory over the Vancouver Whitecaps last week. Kellen Rowe got a goal, and also London Woodbury as well found himself a nice goal as well as they as they prevailed over Vancouver. Brad Knighton started in goal over Bobby Shuttleworth, which I think was a mistake, but that's irrelevant at this point. So the Revs will go to D.C. for their, for a rivalry game. The Revs, no, Kai Kamara still has yet to score a goal for the Revs after starting off such a hot start of the year with Columbus. I still think the Revs find a way to get a victory because Lee Wynn in the midfield is still playing fantastic. Baxter, it's New England at RFK where they love to lose. That's true. Or draw. Or both. I'm taking D.C. United. Okay. Because the last time I took D.C. United over the Revs, it worked out for me. That's true. <laughs> but hey, Baxter, we're being interrupted here, oh. and I don't mind the fans hearing this. I got my daughter here dropping off some cupcakes <gasps> for cupcakes? us as we're recording the show cupcakes. at my house today. Oh, well, so thank, thank you. you, Bethany. You want to you want to say hi to everybody? Hello, <laughs> Bethany. What you want to tell the fans about your big news? We've had Bethany on the show we before. Have. It's probably we have. been about seven or I eight months. I think she should tell. I think she should share. I know yeah. what her big news is as well. Do you know what we're talking about? Yes. All right. Here, let me let me yeah, hand give this her, over give, you her for... give her the headset there. Impromptu interview here. There you go. Perfect. All right, Bethany. So, what is this big news that you need to tell the the soccer world? Um, I tried out for a select team for soccer. Okay. And um, I got in with my friend Reese, and we've been playing with each other since we were four years old. Oh, okay. Now, is this is it a U nine team like you've been playing on in the past? Um, no, it's a U eleven team. Oh, it's a U eleven team. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's very exciting. Are Thank you, you? Are you? When does the new season start for you? August. August, okay. So have you already started your, your off-season workout plan to, to be as fit as possible and uh, be the best player that you can? Yes. Fantastic. Can I draft you in fantasy this year, too, so you can uh, give me lots of points for when you score goals? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Well, congratulations. We're excited about that, uh, that news for you, Bethany. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for stopping by the program.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely the uh, the cutest member of Two Up Front, that's for sure. But uh, a very exciting news, and I'm sure you as a father, Simon, must be very proud as well of that accomplishment. Very proud, yeah. She'll be playing a year up, so we're my wife and I are ecstatic. The, the tough thing for me, Baxter, is I can't coach her now because she's at the select level. Yep. So it's a uh, club it's a policy. Take. Yeah, it is. It is, and it's it's good for her to experience other coaches Agreed. as well. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, coaching her for six years, and now i got to let go of that. I know. I, know. I promise to behave don't be, myself. Don't be that parent on the sidelines. Right. No, like, what say, are you doing? promise you don't know. to behave myself <laughs> and just let the coach do his thing. I might have to come to a few games just to watch you, just see what you do. It's like, oh, it's not what I would have done. You're like, you're playing her out of position, coach. What are you doing? <laughs> that would be funny to watch. I think you, I, I would get enjoyment out of that. Anyway, going back to MLS briefly. What are you, Klinsman? I know, right? <laughs> My daughter's not a striker. She's an outside back. What is this? Well, thank you for the cupcakes again. Yes, Bethany. absolutely. I'm Love excited. <laughs> Moving on back to our predictions, Philadelphia and Vancouver. Uh, Philadelphia is the team to beat right now, aside from the rep- from the Rapids, in my opinion. Yeah, and Vancouver's actually been a bit of an anomaly here, haven't they? That uh, they, I don't even know if they know what's wrong with them. Yeah, and that's that's what I mean. I guess I didn't really use that word correctly, but it, they, we thought they were going to be really strong this year, and you see them go through periods of stringing some really good games together, and then they lose. Yep. And then string some good games together, and then they lose. You know, according to the results map, Baxter, almost after every time they lose, they win or draw. So I almost feel like I should be taking a draw on this one. You know what? I will. I'm going to take a draw. Why not? Someone's got to do it. Okay. Well, I've got Philly in this game, though. So uh, say what you will about that. Columbus and the Red Bulls. The Red Bulls, as we mentioned, they've won four out of their last six games. They're on a four-game win streak until that last loss against RSL. The Red Bulls are going to find a way to beat a very sputtery Columbus crew team. Now, I'm taking Columbus because they had a very hard-fought game against RSL, so they're going to have just a few days of rest. So I'm going to take the crew. Okay. Uh, Montreal and Sporting Kansas City. I don't. I still don't know what Montreal and what Sporting Kansas City are. Right. Honestly. We thought we knew what Montreal was in the beginning of the season, but Montreal, they find themselves in fourth place in the Eastern Conference at 5-5-4. Five, five, and four. But over the last six games, they're 1-4-1 one, and one overall. I mean, that one win that they had uh, was a 3-2 victory against the Galaxy, So, but that was because of a Brian Rowe forgot how to play goalkeeper, so that should have been a draw in, more, in realistic fashion. They did lose 2-1 to Montreal, they've, or to Orlando. They've, driven, they've drawn against Philly. They've drawn against Columbus, Colorado. I'll tell you Columbus, what, Baxter. again, I, just, I don't know. It comes down to, it actually, for me, it doesn't come down to how Drogov plays because he's always going to play well. Sure. It comes down on Montreal's side of how Piatti's going to play yep. and how Oduro's going to play. And for KC, it's Fail Haber and Dwyer. Is Dwyer going to be hungry enough for that goal? Who knows? Is Fail Haber going to play like he can? And you may want to throw Brad Davis in there as well. He's a good, you know, and Graham Zussi will be back. I don't know if they'll rest him for this game or not because of just playing Copa America. Uh, actually, oh, no, I'm sorry, be, that'll yeah. be the same time, pardon me. But still, he hasn't done much when he's been there. That's irrelevant right now. Another player that I don't think should just, have made the U.S. roster. I was going to say, just kind of like he was in that U.S. game, yeah. didn't didn't really do much. He was on the field? No, he yeah. played. I, I think I'm going to have to take Montreal for this one. Do you? Okay, I've got a draw on this game, honestly, because I think both teams are still searching for a little bit of relevance uh, right now. Orlando TFC is our next game. TFC fresh off that 1-0 victory. Exactly. And uh, Orlando... Okay, but not the best either right now. 
No, but I'm actually I'm going to take Orlando in this one. Okay. Because TFC, not only did they just play that Canadian Championship game, they only won 1-0. And I truly believe that that's their focus right now, is making sure they get that CONCACAF Champions League spot. They desperately want to get back into the CONCACAF Champions League. So they're going to have that game against Vancouver yep. in just a few days' time. They're squishing this Orlando game in between. I don't think they're going to focus much on this game. I'm taking Orlando. Okay. The U.S. and Colombia. We should talk. The we U.S.? Should, we should, we oh, should, the U.S. and Colombia. U.S. and Colombia. Yes. We, should, uh, we should at least offer a prediction. I have Colombia. I just don't think... I think you mentioned was we, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann will tinker, which will be fine, whatever. It'll be nice to see some of these other guys on the field. Colombia is going to play it like a real third-place game because they don't care about tinkering, and they're going to just boat race the United States, I think. I think they're going to either shut them out or beat them by at least two goals. I think that is probably the correct prediction, Baxter. However... But I am going to (laughs) blow people's minds here. I think the players, the players, who's ever on that field, the players are going to want to end this tournament on a very high note. Sure, They're going to be hungry. I have a feeling... We're going to see that hunger that we've been wanting to see yep. from these players, and that's actually going to get them to win this game in I'm uh, not going to complain if the U.S. win. However, realistically, I think Columbia is just a far superior yeah. team. Yeah, and they don't have to be. That's the thing that kills me. They don't have to be, but they are. Yep. Um, but I'm going to take the U.S. on this one. Okay. We'll see how that plays out. Next one, RSL and FC Dallas. Second and third place in the Western Conference. Only a point separates them. Interesting form over the last six games for both of them. FC Dallas, 11 points. RSL, 10 points. I think these two teams are incredibly evenly matched, and I think this game is going to end in a high-scoring draw. Uh, I think because of the lack of players that L.A. has and how flat they came out against that game against Colorado, plus having that game on their legs FC already. Dallas and RSL were not at San Jose. Oh, I'm sorry. Yet. Hello. I was like, that's. I mean, if you want to, we're, I, we're already there, so what do you got, San Jose, I keep LA? looking at this cupcake bas- bas- bastard. <laughs> Uh, Hello, cupcake. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't. Know. <laughs> All right. So, what, anyways, what's, name, what's, what's going on? What's going on this show? I don't know. Wait, wait, I'll just give you a quick prediction. What game? Sure. But anyways, I'm taking San Jose. Okay, that's <laughs> who I have too. <laughs> FC Dallas RSL. That's what we care about right now. Okay, FC Dallas. Okay. <laughs> oh boy, Portland and Houston. Portland's at home. I think they got this one. Yeah. They're they're one of the few teams that hasn't actually had many players taken away from them True. during this break and uh that's going to work in their favor. Of course Houston hasn't either. But Houston's trash. Portland's Portland's a far superior Agreed. team right now than Houston. Agreed. And uh Argentina Chile. I think we did predictions for this we but sure uh, did. I'm taking Argentina. Yep, same for me too. All right. By the way, uh Diego Maradona came out and said if you don't win this tournament, don't even come home. Interestingly enough, Maradona never won the Copa America. <laughs> Maradona's overrated. <laughs> Personally. Maybe, well, maybe I don't know. Am I in the minority thinking that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the man was stoned on cocaine all the time. I get that. But if you go back and watch, if you watch that, not the hand of God goal against England, but this other goal against England, Baxter, mm-hmm. he goes through about nine players. True. That was Maradona. I agree. He won a World Cup. He did. No, you're right. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, we'll, we'll see if, uh, you know, what Argentina is capable of doing in this game, but uh, I just don't know. I just don't know. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up, do our power rankings, and all other sorts of fun things you're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com.
Closing things out here on another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, let's power rank it and see just what we've got to deal with here in Major League Soccer. We talked about him last segment, a little bit about some of the teams that we thought were continuing to run through. Do we need to even bother and tell people who our number one team is this week? Probably it's been the same not. person for the last, feels like months, decades, you eons. Could, you could call Colorado a person. Sure. They are. Corporations are persons. That's yeah. what we learned, right? Everybody, you know. Team, yes. You know, soccer clubs are people too, Simon. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Either way, though, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm content telling everybody that Colorado is my number one team. Absolutely. Same here. I mean, we had them... At number one since week 11. And actually, before that, we both had L.A. as our number ones for yeah. uh, for two weeks. Um, Sporting but Kansas City, actually, was my number one for a while, too. Huh. wonder what I was smoking for that little, that okay. little bit. Hey, I had Houston. Oof. <laughs> uh, you had Orlando, too, for a little time there. Interesting. Either way, so spoiler alerts, Colorado are both of our number one ranked teams overall in our power rankings. I just didn't feel like we needed to draw it out this week right, for, for right. that one, at least, you know. Uh, but let's start at five now for both of our teams since we have, uh, you know, been so forward with our first overall picks. So who do you have at number five, Simon? I have FC Dallas. Interesting. Why? So I, I had them at number two. Uh, the big thing for me, I just just lost my notes here. Uh, they've been a bit inconsistent, and granted, you know, players have they they had the. Uh, they didn't have Perez obviously this year, who's been yep. doing who's been doing pretty decent. Uh, the season even better at the international Vancouver. level. Yep, he's yeah, he's up in Vancouver right. now. Yes, um, so they've they've been you know bouncing around a bit, and you look at their last few games here. Again, we're talking about FC Dallas. Yep, they've played very well. Obviously, they they had you know a five game unbeaten streak, but that loss against Sporting Kansas City was pretty decisive. It mm. wasn't just that they lost two zero; it was the way that they lost. You're right. Um, you know, this was back on June 19th, so maybe a little bit unfair as as they are not at full strength. But, However. But it's a 2-0 loss to a team like Sporting Kansas City that's still trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. I agree. No, I, have, I agree with you. I do have FC Dallas in my power rankings, actually. I actually have them up at number four because I believe my number five team, the Portland Timbers, as uh, as much as they've done, uh, you know, a good job the last four games. They've you know they've won two, they've lost two. Uh, they did you know over the last six games, they're two, two, and two overall. Uh, you know, I mean, they beat Vancouver four to two, which is great. But Vancouver is not one of those teams that people are really going to bat for right now. They drew Chicago one one. Uh, they beat San Jose one nil, which is a good win I think overall. But then once again, they drew Real Salt Lake, who at that time was not as I mean they're 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 an okay team, so I think Portland deserves to be at five right now. But they're a good team that I think people need to keep an eye on, especially since they're on a four game unbeaten streak. Well, I will talk about Portland in a little while, but my number four is your New England Revolution. Yeah, so Woo. once again, Baxter, we have the same teams in yeah. our power rankings. Just usually uh, how it works little, out. A little bit different here. Um, so yeah, I have New England again doing well. You know, one last uh, three out of their four games. But looking at this, too, uh, by the way, they did lose to FC Dallas, 4-2. to two. Indeed. And that was back in May, obviously, before the before the big break. And the yeah, last win was their last two wins against a very weak Seattle team, 2-1. to one. And Vancouver, as you just got done saying, 2-1. to one. So, to me, just 
not very impressive games, and I honestly, I have not been able to watch a Revs game in a while, so I'm not even sure of the way they played, which will be a factor in my number three. Of course. I understand that aspect of it. Yeah, but I think um, for someone that has been able to watch a couple of the Revs games this season, especially the last uh, two games, they have figured out what their problems are with their midfield. They figured out that the ball needs to run through Lee Wynn. They figured out that Kellen Rowe and Teal Bunbury and Kai Kamara and Scotty Caldwell are dynamic players that can change the flow of a game in a second, which is why I have the Revs at number three in my power rankings and FC Dallas at four in mine. And it's funny. I, I almost have the identical reasons for why I have Portland at mm. my number three because, obviously, I've been able to watch them a yes. lot. Well, of course. They've, they've been playing some, I'm not going to say impressive soccer, but concentrated Noteworthy, soccer. Noteworthy, right. Uh, yes. You know, so... One of the teams they beat is Vancouver, but they beat them 4-2. to two, and this is Vancouver back on is one May of those 22nd. teams, as we've said, though. It doesn't carry a lot of weight with it. It's like beating Chicago. It's no, like, right, okay. but, but it, again, it is, my overall point is it goes back to the way that they played. The disappointing game for me out of this was that 1-1 draw in Chicago. Sure. Portland looked horrible. They had no reason to walk out of Toyota Stadium with a point in hand, but sure. they did. Uh, but their their very strong 1-0 win against San Jose, and then their 2-2 draw against Real Salt Lake, a bit of a letdown there. Um, but four-game unbeaten streak, it's easy for me to look at that. And, and again, that I'm seeing Portland starting to turn the tide because before this four-game unbeaten streak, they not only looked horrible, they lost three games in a row. Mm-hmm. So looking at this, okay, it's the power rankings, Portland's the tide's turning in Portland. They're you know they're I agree. They're playing I think so. They play a bad game, but then they come back and say, Okay, they're figuring we fix it out. these mistakes. I think so. I agree. Our number two team, we both have Philadelphia. Uh, as we've mentioned, Philadelphia is kind of the Colorado of the Eastern Conference this year. I mean, they continued to surprise people. They fought hard against a Colorado, uh, a Chicago team, pardon me. But at the same time, they were up 4-1 in that game, Simon, and they almost drew that game because Colorado batted, or Chicago pardon me, battled back and made that a 4-3 game. However, Philadelphia, still, I think, the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think absolutely they are. Uh, you know, you look at their points per game, and if you don't understand points per game very much, they're at 1.63. The closest team to them is a 1.43. That's point. Two points. That's huge when we're talking about points it per is. game. You know, it's like if you're, if you're talking ERA uh, or a batting average, yep. that, that point two is is massive. Um, and, yes, you can look at that Chicago game and go, boy, they, blew a, they almost blew a 4-1 lead. But you can also look at that and say they were up 4-1, to one and they held on. Mm-hmm. They held on to that where, where a lot of teams would collapse under that pressure, under the momentum of another team. But Philadelphia held strong. Blake didn't have the best night in goal, but yet good enough that Philadelphia still won 4-3. to three. Mm, I agree. No, I completely agree with you on that. All right, so one more time with our power rankings. I have Portland, FC Dallas, New England, Philadelphia, and Colorado 5-1 through one, respectively. And Simon, you have? I've got the same 1-2, and two, and then I have 3-4-5, Portland, New England, and FC Dallas. Nicely done. Let us know your thoughts. Remember, you can find us on social media on Twitter at Baxter Colburn at Simon Provan and at 2UpFrontSoccer as well, and on Facebook, 2UpFront as well. We're still very close to 500 likes as well. We'd love to give away a free shirt. If you are, once you get once we get to 500 likes, we will 
pick maybe one or maybe two people, depending on how generous we're feeling, and uh, randomly, and we will give away two up front shirts to you Yeah, well. we've been doing this announcement of if your person number 500 will give you that shirt, but then we realized, you know what, that's unfair to the people who have been supporting exactly. us for so long. So we're just going to throw all 500 names into this gargantuous hat that Baxter has at his apartment. <laughs> Something sure. like that. And whatever name we pull out, that's that's going to be the winner. I like so, it. So everybody has an opportunity. Or two people have an opportunity. We'll see. It depends on how generous we feel. Absolutely. All right. Time for our final segment of the show. All right. It is our I Believe segment. As we sign off on the show, Simon Provan and I both offer segments or beliefs about something we think will happen in the soccer world moving forward. Simon, what do you say? Actually, this one may come out of uh, left field a bit, but I believe that if not this season, the following season, we will see Jonathan Brooks in the Premier League. The Copa America has, wow. has okay. drawn a lot of interest from Premier League teams. Sure. And up until this last game against Argentina, one of the bright spots of the U.S. team was indeed John Brooks. Huh. The wall that he was, the quickness that we saw, the pace. Three on one, and he's the lone guy that's being taken on, and he stops. Three players from How advancing. So I think Jonathan Brooks will be in the Premier League. I like League. that. No, I, I completely agree with you on that one. Wow. I really do like that. Um, I believe that uh, Tim Howard is going to play a couple games for Colorado, and they're going to realize that Zach McMath is the better goalie, and he is going to go back to the starter. This might sound terrible, but I kind of hope that happens, I just for Zach McMath's sake. I would laugh. By the way, if you don't know, I think most people do, Brooks is in the Bundesliga playing for Hertha Berlin. Mm-hmm. He's only 23, Baxter. Plenty of time. Only 23. Plenty of time. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. We had a great show. Thanks to U.S. soccer legend Tony Sané for joining us and for Valley USA writer Bianca Verri as well for joining us talking about the NWSL. Remember, you can find the show on Fridays at 11.30 a.m. Central Time on the Sports Podcasting Network, Spreaker.com, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on our website, 2UpFrontSoccer.com. Of course, we're on Facebook, 2UpFront, on Twitter, at 2UpFrontSoccer. He is at Baxter Colburn. I am Simon Pro, at Simon Provan. Yes, indeed. Next week, we'll be joined by Houston Dash midfielder and attacker Denise O'Sullivan, an Irish international as well, and uh, many other interviews and excitement as well that always takes place. He's Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn. Thank you so much for tuning in. With our manager being the one above, we are 2UpFront. Your business may be small, but you've got big goals. Brother Laser Printers can help you succeed, no matter the space, task, or budget. From crisp black and white to vivid full color, our printers offer affordable quality you can trust. Plus, fast printing and high page yields make them ideal for home offices and shared workspaces. It's no wonder Brother is the number one retail brand in laser printer unit sales in the U.S. With Brother at your side, go from small to do it all. Shop now at brother-usa.com laser. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.